You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I know it's Tuesday. I bet you did not think that you were going to hear our melodious voices uh, on a Tuesday since we normally come out Thursday, but we decided to treat you guys uh, and try out having a Tuesday episode too. Uh, As always, I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined by John Barnett and Clark Barnes. Boys, how did you enjoy week one of NFL action? It was terrible. (laughs) <laughs> well i think we need to announce that this is probably the reason we're having this is most likely to just to make sure that pete was okay and that pete was alive right. well so after yeah. the after that i'm here yeah it was it was tough it was tough but uh luckily i was flying to my uh cousin's wedding uh so i did not actually get to watch any of the game i just landed turned on my phone and had a bajillion text messages making sure that consoling me and making sure that i was alive so yeah it was uh not exactly what i wanted to be uh coming to but you know yeah so i'm the only one who comes out of the weekend uh, of the three of us with uh with something close to elation at least so <laughs> <laughs> so we're just hoping john that you're going to be the uh, moral compass and the and the uh, energy of this episode because uh, lord knows clark and i could go on hours talking about how awful our weekends were yeah you've got to be the one that lets us that reminds us you know week two is coming up it's going to be okay <laughs> and i cannot wait for the patriot for for uh, tom brady a pissed off tom brady to play against that saints uh defense yeah oh well, yeah the Saints defense that what it was doing to uh monday night which is we're recording monday night so everyone is aware um but yeah no in wisconsin we had a badger victory a packer victory and the brewers swept the hated cubs so we are all living very well up here that's a pretty good weekend right all right let's get let's just get right into uh, the week one action so we each uh, we're going to go around week one and we're all going to kind of, we each have one thought or question or topic or anything anywhere coming out of each of these games uh, that we're going to talk about uh, just to kind of give you as the fantasy fan and listener an idea of maybe the games that you missed and what you kind of, what you did miss. So let's me, I'll start off with obviously Thursday night action um, and the upsetting loss that my new England Patriots took at the hands of the Kansas city chiefs. But the one thing that I took away from this game is that Mike Gillisley is exactly who we thought he'd be, despite the fact that we talked ourselves out of him, uh, or at least I did. I talked myself out of the fact that Mike Gillisley, I overthought it. Uh, I, at the beginning of the offseason, Gillisley was going to be basically like Eric Blunt, which he was. He had 15 carries uh, and three touchdowns. That's the kind of ratio that I like to see. Uh uh, but then, of course, throughout the uh, offseason, I talked myself out of this. I thought James White was going to have a bigger role. I thought Deion Lewis was going to have a big role. And ultimately, I did not buy into the Gillisley hype, which all of my fantasy teams currently are uh, regretting. So I guess my question to start us off, to start off is, do you guys trust this production consistently? Do you think that he is going to take that Laguerre Blunt role? And do you trust that role uh, consistently enough to be able to regularly start Gillisley? I... Uh feel rather silly for screaming out on one of our podcasts earlier that Mike Gillisley is the worst running back in New England. And I just want to apologize to everyone out there for that. Uh, he looked okay. You know, uh, when he was down there in the red zone, New England did what they did last year for Blunt. They opened up some holes for him and he put it in the end zone. Uh, I, I'd like to not overreact to week one, but I also don't want to hang on to things unnecessarily. And I think I was just wrong here. I think Gillisley is good to go. And uh, it's too late now, but if you can work a trade and get him, you should go for it. Yeah. I mean, other than, well, obviously the touchdowns are what saved you here, but it's three yards of carry. 
he got the the bulk of the carries, I guess. He got 15 for 45, three yards a carry. James White was slightly more effective per carry, but he only got 10 carries. And, uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, he's going to be a guy who, when he scores touchdowns, is going to be extremely valuable, but you're guessing when he scores a touchdown. So Right. Yeah, and your only hope is, or your yeah, your only hope is that he basically is exclusively uh, the Patriots' goal line running back, which he could be. He that's you know that very well could be the reason that they brought him in and spent a fifth round pick in order to get him for Buffalo. So I'm not saying that he's not. I'm I was just I was surprised to see exactly how effective he was and how immediately he was basically given that role, uh, and and how disappointed I was in myself for talking myself out of it, but. Nonetheless, uh, obviously, I didn't want to make a point about this because I'm sure everyone knew this, but obviously Kareem Hunt was fantastic and looked 100% legit. And I ran a poll on fake teams on the Twitter on our Twitter account asking right after the game uh, who which running back people believed in more heading into the rest of the season. I think it was like 98% of the people said Kareem Hunt. So there you go. If you need some outside perspective, that's that's exactly what it is, hitting it right on the head. Moving on, it's it's late, and so we're just gonna we're gonna keep chugging through this. Uh, let's go to the Falcons and taking on the Chicago Bears. John, what do you have for us from that game? Well, first off, I think having it be a close game was the thing that we were most surprised by. Uh, Matt Ryan got your points. Uh, he's at three hundred twenty-one yards, one touchdown. You would have thought he'd have had more touchdowns. So obviously, there's some concern there. I think, but I mean, like his points were still high. The Bears defense is actually surprisingly good in terms of just actual defensive play. So a decent game on the road. I expect him to do better as, as we move forward. He'll still be fine. He's you start him if you have him. Uh Hooper, Austin Hooper was the guy who was yeah. he led the team in receiving yards. He had 128 yards. He had an 88-yard pass and a 40-yard pass. He had two targets. He got you 128 yards, one touchdown. The small amount of targets is disconcerting, but the, the fact that he seems to be able to stretch the field is great uh, if you have him. Uh, the other things is I think now we're seeing Mohamed Sanu has held off Taylor Gabriel pretty effectively. Uh, he's going to be kind of in that flex spot. He got nine targets. Uh, actually, Sanu led the team in targets, out-targeted uh, Julio Jones, but less yards on more catches. So Sanu is an interesting flex from here. Uh, he had six catches, 47 yards, so he's uh, interesting in that realm. The other name that comes out of this, which we all expected, I think, is Tariq Cohen. Naturally. Um, we all were talking about him clearly weeks ago. Um, if you don't, <laughs> it, don't go back and listen to other podcasts that we had. Uh, just take my word that we did. Uh, 66 rushing yards on five carries. Uh, also, was he was targeted more than any other player. He was targeted more than any other two players. He had 12 targets. No other player had more than six. Uh, the next highest targeted player was Zach Miller, the tight end. So Zach Miller is an interesting tight end, not a top tier one, but Tariq Cohen, eight catches, 47 yards and a touchdowns, a touchdown, 66 yards rushing. Uh, again, showing you that the bears running backs are good for a year and then get replaced by someone else next year. It's awful. Are either of you also Jordan Howard owners? Uh, I am in two leagues, I think, at this point. I had him as an RB2, so it's this can, it's not great, but yeah, nobody can I'm get, not I'm not thrilled. Yeah, nobody can get Cohen anymore. If, if you're in a league where anybody has been paying attention, he's gone by now, most likely. If he's not, you probably want to go get him at least as an early stash, because the, the likelihood seems that he's he's gonna get used a lot, especially in passing downs. If you're in a PPR league, I think he's really uh interesting going forward. I think Cohen's going to be out there on on waivers in a lot of leagues. Uh, at least he is on mine, and we're dusting off the fab budget to get him. He had one of those games where it's like when you watch a college game and you can see that guy that's going to make it in the NFL. He just looks faster and quicker than everybody else. Cohen looked like that on the NFL field, which is just not something that you see very often. Um, he did that on that on that cutback run, which was yeah. redonkulous. Uh, just just outrun. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and if guys like that can hold up, that's always the trick is they're, they're so quick and fast because they weigh 160 pounds. But if someone like that can play 16 games, you're going to, you have a really good pickup here in week one. 
which absolutely terrifies me as a Jordan Howard owner. I am currently not thrilled with my uh, running back situation in multiple of my teams, which is a great place to be after week one of fantasy football. <laughs> let's move on to uh, to let's now after I had to revel or not even revel had to stew in my team's loss. Let's make Clark stew in his team's loss. The uh, Houston Texans took on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for the first time since 2011, the Jaguars now have a winning record. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Um, <laughs> the uh, score is 29 to seven Jags and. It was about that close. You know, sometimes the score looks like a blowout and it really just kind of got out of hand at the end of the game, but not this one. Texas just got outplayed the whole time. I think the Jaguars had something like 10 sacks. And when I saw that number, I wasn't surprised because Tom Savage was running for his life in the first half. Uh, Texans could not get anything done offensively. So they sub in the rookie. Uh, Deshaun Watson comes in at halftime. Marches the team down the field, tries, tries so hard to turn the ball over, but just keeps getting bailed out with penalties by the Jaguars. Gets a touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. Texans fans are feeling good. This is kind of what we were hoping, uh, and then that was it. Uh, Deshaun Watson continues to turn the ball over. Uh, we, the Tex, we, sorry, the Texans cannot block the Jaguars, uh, and so it's kind of that classic Week One thing of. Uh, Texans fans knew that the O-line was not going to be good and Jaguars fans hoped that their D-line would be good. Uh, and that happened. We're just not sure which one it was, or maybe it was both. Uh, Dante Fowler looked like a beast, couldn't be blocked. Texans quarterbacks running for their life all game. Uh, we lose Allen Robinson, unfortunately in this game early with an ACL, uh, Blake Bortles only throws for 121 yards, kind of spreads it around. I don't think there's a, a pickup you want there. Uh, my big takeaway was uh, that I was just totally wrong about Leonard Fournette. I yeah. watched him. I watched his college tape, and I thought, you know, yeah, a guy looks good when he's running over defensive backs for Wisconsin, but I don't see anything, you know, great about this person. Uh, and I was just – I was absolutely wrong. He looked quick. He looked big. And, you know, that, that first time you see these guys out on the NFL field, when they look big and fast, you know, it's for real. Uh, he got over or he got exactly 100 yards on something like 24 carries. So my big takeaway is, you know, <laughs> maybe a day late and a dollar short. But, man, Leonard Fournette looks it looks like he might have been worth that pick. And the Jaguars seemingly stuck to their word that they had been preaching all offseason, which was that they wanted to run the football and just get it out of Blake Bortles' hands, which obviously makes sense. Um, and I think they had something – I think they ran it 62% of their offensive plays, uh, which was the most for week one. So if that kind of trend keeps up, Leonard Fournette has got a ton of fantasy value. And we – and you know, that was one of the biggest things going into it – into the season where everyone was talking was that he, of all the teams – and all the positions that are all the situations that rookie running backs were finding themselves in Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt could have been, were probably the two that were in the best position. And Kareem Hunt certainly took advantage of it. And so did Leonard Fournette uh, quickly. Clark, do you have any worry about Deshaun Watson moving forward? I, I'm assuming that they're going to probably stick with him. Do you think that hampers, you know, Deandre Hopkins? Does that, do you need to start wondering or worrying about the Texans offense or is it way too early? I'm worried. I mean, I, I hit the panic button, you know, going into the second half <laughs> Sunday. Things are not looking good. Uh, Deshaun Watson, though, looks like what people thought he was going to look like. He's creative. He seems to have a really good pocket presence. Uh, you know, Tom Savage would just sit there and kind of go down with the ship. At least Watson seemed like he felt it and he would move and create. Uh, so that's that's reassuring. But Watson also, you know, did what scouts knocked him for in college is that he was not, he's not accurate. You know, he, he just, he gets guys open and he creates and gives himself time. And, and then he just misses the guy. Uh, and, and so hopefully that will, uh, you know, uh, hopefully that won't continue forever, but he's a rookie. So you don't want to, I'm, I'm not down on the guy his first game. I'm not worried about Hopkins. Hopkins got 16 targets that led the NFL. Uh, he got three pass interference calls, uh, with AJ Boye trying to guard him. So, I mean, at least 19 times between Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, they threw the ball to Andre Hopkins. So 
I think he's going to get the volume and he is kind of the wide receiver that will erase some of that inaccuracy for you. So it's going to be tough and it may not be fun to watch, but I think you're still okay with Hopkins who you, who you probably picked in the third. Moving on to a team whose quarterback play you do need to worry about. The New York Jets took on the Buffalo Bills in what we could only call uh, a fight for the first overall pick. The Jets did win that. They lost the game, but uh, won the quest for tanking. And quickly, before we talk about, before I talk about what I saw out of Buffalo, which I found very interesting, I was upset that I saw not a lot of Bilal Powell. That are Not that I didn't see a lot of him. I didn't see exactly what I thought I was going to see out of Bilal Powell. Uh, he was not as successful and as... Uh, you know, as great as I had initially expected, which was uh, difficult to see since also he, I'm relying on him on multiple leagues. But that's not the biggest takeaway for me out of this game. The biggest takeaway for me was uh, Mike Tolbert all of a sudden has fantasy value. What is this? I mean, who saw that coming? I, I know Buffalo, their backups tend to have fantasy value because A, the Bills love to run the football a lot, and B, Shady gets injured. Uh, you can expect him to miss at least a couple of weeks. Um, so my question to you, and we'll go with John this time. John, do you see this role? This, is this a role that Tolbert can hold on to? I think he had 12 carries for, uh, I don't have the yardage down in front of me, but at least had a touchdown, vultured a touchdown away from Shady. Uh do you see is does Tolbert have fantasy value? If they're gonna run this much, uh 42 total carries, but that counts uh Tyrod Taylor's eight. Uh so he had 12 carries, 42 yards, and a touchdown. That's three and a half a carry. Uh M- McCoy had 22 carries. I mean, he carried a, a, a large load. I think they just felt comfortable with it, even though it really wasn't a blowout or anything, they just continued to run. They threw 28 times and ran 42. I mean, again, that's counting eight. Even if you subtract the eight, it's you know twenty-four and twenty-eight. They ran a, or thirty-eight. Pardon me, they, or, or thirty-four. They they ran a bunch. They they, they ran, ran a bunch. They ran more than they threw, and that seems to have just been what carried it here. I don't know if they're going to run that often, that frequently. Uh, I think you've misnamed this game. This game was the game for first place in the AFC East. Oh, it was oh. <laughs> just to make it. Yeah. Oh, so hard. Cold because blood. Dolphins didn't play. <laughs> I saw. I saw when I was looking. I saw that just the AFC East standings, and it it made me sick to my stomach to see the Patriots not at the top. It was weird. It wasn't even, it wasn't even just like a, a like this is a crushing thing for me as a Patriots fan as a witness it is also just like as an NFL fan, you're like, this is really odd that the Buffalo bills are above them. It just can't last. You don't, don't worry. Call. <laughs> yes. No, I, I agree with that. I think that they're possibly won't run. I think I, as much. And so, I think if you see if they for the next three weeks, I would say three to four for if we're a quarter way through the season and Mike Tolbert is still getting a fair amount of carries, especially around the goal line, then he definitely has fantasy value. I was just surprised that I mean, when the Bills cut Jonathan Williams, uh, there was a lot of speculation about why that was. And I guess because they felt that Mike Tolbert could be that backup running back. Um, so who knew? Uh, but also the Jets look absolutely stupid for trading was Sheldon Richardson. So that's a good move by them. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. Uh, John, tell us about the battle for the AFC North. That's right. Not only did the Pittsburgh Steelers play and look average, the Cleveland Browns played and looked great. Yeah. And uh, I think the first person that comes to everyone's mind is, of course, TJ Watt. Uh, who looked fabulous, two sacks and that uh, amazing looking interception, uh, Scotty pride. Um, I guess the takeaway here is neither quarterback looked particularly amazing. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw 36 times at 263 yards, um, two touchdowns and a pick, uh, Le'Veon Bell looked like he hadn't played in the preseason. He had 10 carries for 32 yards. Um, he also had six targets, caught three of them for 15 yards. He didn't look like anything out there this week. And I think that that was to be expected. That's why, like I said last week on our running, running back rankings, I moved him way down because he didn't play. And that, that really did hurt. Um, the guys are interesting. Obviously Antonio Brown is amazing. He had 11 targets, caught all 11 of them for 182 yards. He had no touchdowns, 
but 182 yards is just, that's amazing. He caught every single one of 11 targets and they were not all easy. He had a couple along the sidelines where he's getting hit by two guys as he hauls it in. Um, Jesse James, uh, the interesting part out of here, maybe moving up the uh, tight end uh, list this week. He was second on the team in targets. He had eight targets, turned into six catches for 41 yards, had two touchdowns on that. Uh, so he's obviously somebody who looks like he's getting targets and goal line targets too. So that's that's interesting to take from that game at least. We'll have to see where he uh, how he moves up Heath's uh, tight end rankings this week because, yeah, that was definitely a, a shocking name to suddenly have fantasy relevance. Yeah, Deshaun Kaiser, uh, 20 of 30 for 220 yards, touchdown pick. You're not starting him unless you're in a deep league or a two, t- uh, two quarterback league. It's nice. Crowell really disappointed me this week. Yeah, uh, 17 carries. Rough. He got a good amount of carries. He got 1.9 yards a carry and no touchdowns. Yeah, just nothing from him this week. That was surprising. I think it'll be better going forward, but he definitely hurt you this week. If anybody in your league is looking to trade for him, get him. Good. You know, you can probably buy low on him now. Uh, I like Corey your Coleman. I like your confidence. I like your confidence. That's what I need. That's what I as a as a Isaiah Crowell preacher. I need I need to I need to hear that he's still going to be good. I, I I think he is. I, I think this is just a it's one game. If you can get him low now, do it. I think that that somebody's going to panic, and you should live off of their panic. Um, <laughs> Corey Coleman, six targets, five touch or five uh, receptions and a touchdown, fifty three yards. Uh, what was DeValve's first name? Uh, Seth. Seth? Seth DeValve. Seth is apparently DeValve. new Gary Barnage. And uh, Joku is not. Rough. As we said, don't go get all those high name rookie tight ends because Joku had two targets, two catches, 20 yards. Uh, DeValve had, he was tied for second on the team in targets. He had five targets, four catches, uh, 42 yards. So he seems to be the early favorite, at least in the tight end spot. You're, he's probably still not all that interesting in terms of those, though. Yeah, I'm with you. Just to chime in, get Crowell if someone's panicking. He is a power back, and he's just going to have games like this. Like if you need a second or third running back, and you can get him, go ahead and go ahead and do that. On the subject of power backs who can have games like that, but also can run you over, Clark, tell me all about Beast Mode's return to the NFL. Yeah, so the the Raiders <laughs> went out to Tennessee, and one of the things that I was watching is what's Marshawn Lynch going to look like. I I root for Marshawn. He just seems like a fun dude. I, I really like the guy who uh, is a little counterculture, and you know we'll follow the rules so that just so he don't get fined. I guess is an inarticulate way to put it. Uh, but he looked like the old beast mode man. He looked quicker than someone that size should be. He was running over Titans, just leaving bodies in his wake and looked really, really good behind that talented Oakland offensive line. Uh, The one baffling thing here that we saw, and I think I guess is going to be another one of those things is that they told us they were going to do this offseason and then they did it. So early in the game, Marshawn Lynch rushed on fourth and one from the three, got the first down. So it's first and goal on the two. And then the Raiders threw the ball to Amari Cooper in the end zone three times. And, of course, spoiler alert, kicked a field goal. Do you think Marshawn Lynch was having some uh, traumatic flashbacks to another certain game where they didn't run on the one-yard line? I don't know, man. I feel like Marshawn Lynch really is just like, that's in the past. I feel like he doesn't care. You know, like he cares in the moment, but he's not going to like let it bring him down. That's just what I picture because he's a little bit of a hero for me. Uh, But I, I think Jack Del Rio looks at it like that and is like, that's cute. We tried throwing it to the receiver. Marshawn Lynch will be scoring all of our touchdowns from the one. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see that again. Crabtree and Cooper both looked really good. I mean, my big takeaway from this game is both these teams kind of picked up where they left off last season. They both look good. DeMarco Murray looked good. He didn't put up big numbers. I think it was like 12 carries for 44 yards, but he looks good. Marcus Mariota looked good. David Carr, he was throwing the ball just fine. Uh Michael Crabtree looked especially spry. And then Amari Cooper, uh, you know, was tackled at about the four-yard line, rolled over the guy that tackled him, and carried about five Titans into the end zone with him, getting a little help from his defensive line. So uh, this is one of the few games that I watched this weekend that I thought, you know, that's about how I thought it was going to go. And I'm pretty happy about all the guys that I have on these 
teams. I mean, Delaney Walker had a, a pretty good game and a loss. Uh, Corey Davis. Oh, my man. Corey Davis looked good. Yeah, uh, Corey. Rookie debut targeted, I want to say, the most 10 times. Uh, and he pulled in six yep. of them for 69 yards, which, you know, plus one there. Uh, nice. So uh, it just, everything went everything went well for the for the Raiders and they get the win here. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy with with all the starters that I drafted on these two teams. Yeah, here's the balance on that offense there. Eric Decker, eight targets. Uh, Richard Matthews, nine targets. Delaney Walker, nine targets. Corey Davis, 10 targets. That's that's going to be a hard offense to stop. Speaking of hard offenses to stop, neither were present in Baltimore versus the Bengals as both offenses were very easy to stop. Um, but we knew that we knew both offenses were going. We knew that. Well, we knew the Ravens offense was going to suck, uh, but the Bengals only put together 221 total yards of offense. Dalton threw for 170 and have four interceptions. My Lord, uh, not a great game from the red rifle. And so my question to myself was, is this the Ravens defense being the prime of their life and just going to go into full 2000 and what one? Was that the year where they just like were a, a monster on the field or is this Andy Dalton is regressing and sucks now. And this is the end of his career. So I really like to play the doomsday scenario. And I think that while the Ravens defense, I think is going to be very good this year. I think Andy Dalton is going to struggle this year because that offensive line looked awful. Uh, that it, he was not getting the protection he was needed. He needed, he didn't have the time in the pocket and he was fixated on AJ Green, and outside of that, wasn't mu- wasn't passing the ball around all that much to anyone else. Uh, I am not thrilled with Andy Dalton after a Week One performance, and I would be definitely looking to uh, shore up my quarterback position if I was if I was running with the Red Rifle right now. So this is this is probably the most hurtful single thing for me this week is that I have a dynasty league which I joined three years ago, but the quarterbacks are people I've inherited. Uh, on longer contracts, I have Andy Dalton and Alex Smith, oh, and I did not cool. start the right one. <laughs> you got oh, you got the best quarterback in the league, John. Yeah. <laughs> right behind, right. you just pick up Jared Goff now, and you have the two top ones. Right? Do you want Javorius Allen over Terrence West at this point? Nineteen carries to twenty-one carries. West was better in terms of total yards, but what do you think of Allen in terms of the? I think so. I think with Danny Woodhead missing significant time, which which all signs are pointing to, uh, Buck Allen, I think is going to be is the guy to get. Uh, Terrence West uh, for me has is going to be you know maybe they're starting running back and whatever, but clearly the touches are already leaning towards Allen's favor, and Allen could do a lot more in the passing game, uh, which the Ravens do love to use. I mean that's what Danny Woodhead was making his money on before he got injured. So I'm I'm definitely and Buck Allen. I think he's only owned in like. tiny percentage of yahoo and espn league so he's definitely out there and available uh i think he's nothing he's right now no better than a flex option but he's definitely someone who i'm stashing and waiting to see how he pans out and plays in this baltimore offense because i i think he has a lot more upside than someone like terrence west does my boy jeremy macklin came out pretty well in this one too led the uh baltimore ravens in receiving yards and had a touchdown there you go very nice guys let's not let's not bury the lead in this game, we saw a great American hero, Danny Woodhead, go out and do exactly what I told everyone he was going to do all offseason. First drive, Joe Flacco under duress the entire time. The only person that's available that's any good to catch the ball is Danny Woodhead. Three catches, Ravens cruising down the field. They get to the goal line. Danny Woodhead jukes the linebacker and pulls up lame on the hammy. Danny Woodhead's three catches through, let's call it halfway through the first quarter, put him on pace to catch 384 balls this year, gentlemen. (laughs) We have been robbed again by everyone's favorite fish fan, Danny Woodhead. And Danny, I hope you get well soon, man, because I'm going to miss you.
That's the pour, end of my lament. Pour some out for Danny Woodhead. My goodness. I, I mean, I can't believe we are getting robbed from a 300-catch season. That is something that would have gone down in the annals of uh, of NFL history, but sadly, we uh, will no longer be able to see that. Still second on the team in receiving yards. Good Lord. Trash. And that should that should hold for another week or so, don't you think? <laughs> uh, also, I'm I'm 100 selling Joe Mixon. You can you can at me on Twitter. Get at me. I'm selling him. He had nine yards through eight carries. Get out a here. Oh, by Joe Mixon. By Joe Mixon. The Ravens' defense is good. The Ravens' defense out. is good. I know he can prove me wrong, but I am I'm done with him. Sold. Uh, John, give us your viewpoints from uh, the Matthew Stafford and the Lions dismantling of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, it didn't start that way. I mean, Arizona was up early. They, they had a lead looked like a, they could hold it. You would expect a team like this could hold it. Uh, but, but yeah, just not to be Carson Palmer, three interceptions in this game. Um, his rating was 53.2, 269 yards, the three picks, just a terrible day. Of course, the biggest news is, of course, David Johnson. It was a dislocated wrist. Uh, they're saying eight weeks minimum is the latest thing that I've seen in terms of his recovery time. <laughs> the guy coming behind him is Kerwin Williams. Uh, in this game, Kerwin had five carries for 10 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he also did have one target, which he caught for two yards. Uh, the other takeaways from this, Larry Fitzgerald is clearly the receiver you want on this team. He had 13 targets. Uh, he got caught six of them for 74 yards. He had a touchdown in his hands at one point, and it just knocked away at the last second. But Which is not uh, something didn't... you ever really see from Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, he had that one while they were down, coming in the end zone along the right sideline, and he just didn't couldn't bring it in. Um, John Brown was somebody I was very interested in. Uh, he was a very low if you did D- DFS. Uh, he, he had nine targets, but he only caught four of them for 32 yards, which is so strange for a guy with the speed he has. Um, JJ Nelson had six targets. He caught five of them, was more useful with his six targets than Brown was with his nine. Br- Brown's not going to have games where he's going to drop or miss that many. He weren't drops, but he's going to catch more than 50% of his passes in most games. Second on the team of targets, tied with David Johnson for targets, right behind uh, Larry Fitzgerald's 13. Uh, I still think Brown is going to be a late round guy. Maybe he's not somebody you go and get now, possibly, but he's somebody you should put on your watch list. I think he's still going to have value down the way here. Uh, in terms of the Lions, of course, Stafford looked good. Uh, the four touchdowns is what carries him through this. Um, the fact that they didn't didn't run for any of them. He was throwing those balls uh, from from every which side. There, he only had two hundred ninety two yards, you know, only. But you, you would have thought that he would have gotten over the 300, but he didn't quite. But it's a great game from Stafford, uh, 29 of 41. He had a great game, played really well, uh, still overpaid. But um, <laughs> the running game is kind of the thing that caught me off here. Amir Abdullah did not produce like we kind of hoped he probably would have. 15 carries for 30 yards, uh, added four targets, which he caught three for 11. So I mean, he had. 41 yards for you on three catches uh, and 15 carries. So underwhelming there. Theo Riddick was the higher point scorer, but that's just because he had the touchdown. Uh, Marvin Jones, one touchdown saved an otherwise unspectacular day where he caught two of his two targets for 37 yards. And Golden Tate is exactly who we said he was going to be. 12 targets, 10 receptions, 107 yards. He didn't get in the end zone this game, but he's going to be that one. He's, he's the, yeah, the guy you want on this team. Uh, and surprise uh, target here, Kenny Galladay, uh, or Galladay, I don't know. Two touchdowns in this game. 69 yards, caught four of seven targets, uh, was second on the team in targets. So he's definitely getting looks. He got seven targets compared to Marvin Jones's two. Uh, so he's somebody who's going to be interesting here. Uh, I'd maybe wait another week. If he's going to get targets like this, though, consistently, he's a clear flex option, uh, maybe pushing wide receiver two. The two touchdowns are things you don't count on, but the fact that he's... But right the targets are looking really good, yeah. If he can, if he's going to be second in targets for another week again, then, yeah, you definitely go get him. This is this is the time to have him. Uh, quickly, John, before we move on to the next game, what is your what are your 
thoughts on Carson Palmer because he did have not a he obviously didn't have a great game this week, but next week he's facing the uh, the Colts and presumably without David Johnson, they're probably Cardinals will probably try to push a, a little bit more on the passing side. Do you think that he still has fantasy value just quickly, or are you thinking that this is the beginning of the end for Carson Palmer? It's probably close to the end of. I mean, he's he's getting up there. I don't know if they have anybody. And they're not going to replace him. He's going to be out on the field and they're going to throw a lot because he's got Bruce Aaron. So he still, he retains some value, obviously. I don't know. It's going to be great. I don't think he's going to play as badly as he did today. Again. Uh, I still think that he's probably in that high QB two range. Uh, probably somebody you're going to keep as a streaming option, depending on matchups. I mean, next week would be a great one, but you're not streaming anybody into week two. Right. Uh, so I think he's interesting to keep your eye on but I don't know that he's somebody we're necessarily starting anymore. Uh, he's definitely got, like I said, the volume plays. He's got that. I wouldn't run out to go get him at this point. Uh, the I guess I'm going to start thinking about it since I have Andy Dalton on one team <laughs> and since I have Kirk Cousins elsewhere. So, Oh, Kirk Cousins. What a fantastic transition. Unknowing, I'm sure. Right? I'm sorry. I'm going to bust it up. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm gonna killing me. I, I apologize. This game just makes me feel like a child because I just look at what happened and I just keep repeating no over and over into my TV. It's like, no, Amir Abdul is good. Marvin Jones is good. Carson Palmer is good. John Brown is good. And just none of that happened this week. And it just, it just broke my heart. Yeah. I think they'll play up from here. Just they didn't have it today. Speaking of broken hearts, how about the way that that uh, Washington Philadelphia game ended no, nope, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't try to re- regain my love by doing a fantastic transition. You've killed the last transition. It, it's over. It's over. I'm sorry I missed your birthday, but I bought you two presents instead. I think that's how it works. <laughs> uh, yes. Right, talk to us about that. Uh, talk to us about that Philly Washington game. All right. So my big takeaway here is the. I mean, if Carson Wentz can get a little better the eagles could be really good dude look good uh, yeah they uh they've got a lot of tall receivers and carson wentz either doesn't care or doesn't know any better and just has no fear throwing the ball up to him uh 370 yards two tds a, a pick and a fumble i feel like that's going to be a pretty typical line for a pretty typical good line for wentz uh, we talked on last week's podcast about being so confused about how the Eagles coaching staff was using Blunt and running like outside zone plays and trying to get him out in space for some reason. They didn't really do that uh, this game. They ran him inside, and he looked kind of like he did for the Patriots. He ran hard. He fell forward. Uh, he, ended, he ended up getting a one-yard receiving touchdown, which is a little confusing. But, yeah, however, however it works uh, – no one else on the Eagles did anything running. Uh, Wendell Smallwood had four carries for four yards. Darren Sproles had two carries for two yards. So obviously Blunt is the man. Uh, the receivers here were, you know, not not surprising other than Aguilar. So Ertz led the way, caught eight, all eight of his targets for 93 yards. Nelson Aguilar started the day with a huge 58-yard touchdown pass early. He was that first seven to pop up when I was watching and, and looked – you know, looked a little bit like a first round pick. Uh, my boy, Darren Sproles, the, the Danny Woodhead before Danny Woodhead was Danny Woodhead, uh, got five catches for 43 yards and he still has it. He still looks super quick. And man, I, I just love watching him play. Uh, Alshon had a bit of a bad day, only three catches for 38 yards, but you can tell that he's going to be involved in the audience or in the, uh, in the offense there. Well, Wentz that was throws kind of the ball deep. Choose. Yeah, yeah okay. and that was kind of expected too, since they were going. Since he was, I assume, was covered by Josh Norman through through most of the game. Yeah, and I, I just, I really liked what I saw out of the Eagles. Um, Washington looks like Washington did last year when Kirk Cousins has a a really good game and those receivers pull the ball in instead of dropping it in the end zone. Looking at you, Pryor, he, he's going to have a good day. When he doesn't do that, he's going to, you know, throw for a pick and lose two fumbles, go 23 for 40 like he did today. Uh, Nothing very impressive out of the team from Washington. And uh, they ended up 
losing on the back of Kirk Cousins' bad play with about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Cousins threw an interception in the end zone. Uh, Washington gets the ball back on about the one, drive down a little bit. Uh, Cousins ends up fumbling. Fletcher Cox scoops it up and scores. And the game was well over before then. So really sloppy game where Eagles fans get a little hope and Washington fans, uh, you, you know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. And it's not that bad, but you do have to suffer through some games like this. And as we all expected, uh, Kirk Cousins led uh, Washington in rushing yards. Right. He tied, actually. didn't he? Yeah, yeah tied with tied. Matt Robb <laughs> for 30 oh. yards. Oh, joy. He was lowering his shoulder. Cousins was, you know, like he realized he was having a bad game, you know, and so he compounded that mistake by making other ones, which is lowering your shoulders on NFL linebackers. He had to to show Kyle Shanahan that he can scramble with the football so that when Kyle brings him into his offense next year in in San Francisco, they can include some uh, read option. (laughs) That's a great idea, actually. Yeah, exactly. One um, interesting guy, Chris Thompson, not for his running skills, but he did uh, get 52 yards receiving and a touchdown. He's at least interesting in that role. Somebody to keep your eye on, not somebody to start. Boom. Uh, someone who never should start an NFL game is quarterback Scott Tolzien. But sadly, that's Aww. what we all had to sit through as the Rams dismantled the Colts uh, in their opening first game, not first game, because they were in L.A. last year. So never mind. But anyways, their first game of the second season in L.A. Nailed it. Uh, And Jared Goff looked good. You know who looked really good? Cooper Cup. Yes! The cup is full, baby. Uh, He's available in almost every league. And so you should be buying him. Especially I myself uh, lost Allen Robinson to the torn ACL. Uh, I'm immediately replacing with Cooper Cup. Clearly Jared Goff's go-to guy. He led the Rams in targets and in yards uh, and receiving touchdowns. So there's not really too much to say. I was going to talk a little bit about Todd Gurley, but Todd Gurley talking about that just upsets me uh, because I love Todd Gurley and I don't want to see him just waste away into nothingness. So instead, I'm going to just keep this all positive and I'm going to say Cooper Cup is the real deal. You should be buying him in every single league that you can. Don't trade for him unless you can swindle them out of like something. Maybe they didn't realize Allen Robinson tore his ACL and you're like, hey, I'll give you Allen Robinson for Cooper Cup or I'll give you David Johnson for Cooper Cup and Le'Veon Bell. And they'll be like, oh, my God, that's such a stupid trade by you. I would love to do that trade. Then they realize that David Johnson's out for like 10 weeks. I'm a horrible person to play fantasy with. I take advantage of everything. That's dirty. I know. No, I really did tie for the lead for the lead in uh, targets in this game as well. Yeah, Cooper. I mean, Cup. Watkins five targets caught all five for fifty eight yards. Sammy Watkins also looked good. This I'm telling you, man. I don't know if it's just the the Colts sucked. Awful, awful. But the Rams also looked great, and I love it. I love it. Uh, John, let's take you since you're the only person of the three of us who actually enjoyed uh, his Sunday. <laughs> tell us about the tell us about your victory over the uh, Seattle Seahawks. It was perhaps one of the most maddening first halves of football Packers <laughs> fans have watched in a while, in that the Packers went up and down the field on uh, Seattle to start this game, and then it, they just had one nice pass and one long run by their quarterback, and suddenly Seattle was kicking a field goal to take a halftime lead. Uh, so that was that was a very strange sort of thing. Russell Wilson uh, also, as we mentioned, just like Kirk Cousins, leading his own team in rushing yards. Not tied this time, though. He had two rushes for 40 yards. Uh, Carson, right behind him with 39 yards, uh, had one 30-yard run and then five more runs for 29 yards additional on that. So he had, or, no, for nine yards. Five more carries for nine yards after that. So he had the one big long break other than Russell Wilson Eddie Lacy CJ precise didn't look like anything couldn't get going up and down the field couldn't get to the line of scrimmage several times I was so confused why Thomas Rawls still had zero points halfway through that game <laughs> what <laughs> and then I realized I had started somebody that wasn't playing so it felt good <laughs> that is true yes um I think one thing is interesting here uh Doug Baldwin caught all four of his uh his targets he had 63 yards he had a nice game um paul richardson led the, the team in reception or in targets and receptions so he had seven targets 
four receptions, 59 yards. Um, and also Jimmy Graham had seven targets, caught three of them, had a first down that he just dropped out of bounds, which was strange. But those three names I just gave you are the only three guys who caught more than a single pass in this game. Yikes. So uh, the receiving game definitely hurting in, in Seattle. Baldwin, I, 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 I'm not as high on Baldwin as other people. I think he's a guy who gets you something. I think the Packers defense is going to be underrated early on. I think their pass defense is going to be much improved from last year. They had a lot of injuries last year. But still, it did not look particularly great. Uh, Russell Wilson missed a couple guys deep who completed 14 of 27 for 158 yards. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but I I'd kind of avoid some of them early. So you're counting on Russell Wilson's legs, getting you some points somewhere along the line. Rogers started off kind of shaky. He missed some guys. He normally hits, uh, but he still ended up with 311 yards, a touchdown, and a pick in a weird pick to a defensive lineman. Uh, where he kind of sidearmed it. On, on what he was hoping was just some kind of short throwaway and ended up just getting picked by alignment. It was very strange. Um, Ty Montgomery didn't have a lot of yards, but this is a good defense for stopping the run. What I take away from this is 19 carries. Damn, they gave him the ball damn. 19 carries against a team like this in what was still generally a close game. Packers had control of this game throughout the temple. They controlled the ball for roughly two thirds of the game. It was about 20 to 40 in terms of time of possession. And they let him keep running. He only got, you know, 54 yards, but 19 carries and a touchdown on a goal line run. How bitter do you think Eddie Lacy was watching uh, Mike McCarthy give the ball to Ty Montgomery 19 times? <laughs> yeah, that actually, I was going to say, he was not bitter about being like, oh, he, he, I think he understood a lot of what was going on here that were kind of changing. And he got an opportunity to go someplace where he was going to get handed the ball more. But yeah, he hasn't been given 19 carries in a while. Yeah. Um, Ty Montgomery only got, he got 16 carries one game. I don't think he had more than 10 in any other game last year. Eddie Lacy definitely never had 19 at all last year. Nobody had 19 carries in the Packers last year. Um, so anyone thinking of Jamal Williams is going to be pushing and taking over that role very soon is going to be slightly disappointed. Although his two carries looked fairly nice, but you know, not enough to, to, to make top. you worry about it. Uh, the one interesting thing, Randall Cobb led the team in targets. He had 13 targets. Caught nine boy. yards. Um, I wouldn't count on him leading in targets much this year. Uh, the big thing is using a third receiver is one of the ways you beat Seattle. If you can go three deep at wide receiver, that's how you beat them. Jordy Nelson, I think you I know you're you're big on him. He's such a nice young man. You told everybody <laughs> to draft him last week. Um eight targets, seven catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Um I'll take that stat line. That's a bad week for Jordy. I know, which is ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's still, I mean, he's playing well. Devontae Adams was involved. He had seven targets. He caught three of them. There weren't drops in there. Uh, it's just Rodgers is clearly taken to throwing to him when he is still uh, heavily engaged with lots of different defenders. So he had he had a couple <laughs> rough ones there that he could not have gotten to. Including if one you need someone defender. to come up with a big drop, it's Devontae Adams. Um, Martellus Bennett. Six targets, uh, three catches. Uh, I think the Packers offense will look better next week playing you know, a much worse defense, one that let the Bears score more points than this. And um, I think the Packers uh, defense actually looked fairly good. I don't, we'll see how much of that is Seattle when they start moving forward, but they didn't look bad. Uh, and they did, you know, they, they held them to 225 yards of total offense. Yeah, it was not a great, uh, uh, not a great week for offense. I think it was the most teams that were held under 300 yards in a long time. Because um, most most teams, seemingly, when I was doing the uh, doing the old podcast research, uh, most teams were in the 200s for a total team point, uh, total team yardage, which is kind of absurd in today's NFL. So few up. people rushed or received for 100 yards this week. I know. Like, I don't so like it. That I tweeted out this interesting fact. Seattle has now gone zero games in a row without giving up a 300-yard passer. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's science. That's yeah, not great. Uh, a, live, a live look into Monday night action. Benny Fowler is having himself a receiving game? touchdowns. Oh, my God. So, I, I so don't Demarius, Demarius Thomas owners everywhere are just weeping to themselves. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a fun, fun game we play. Let's quickly, I'll quickly dip my toe into the Carolina San Francisco game. And my only takeaway from this is that Christian McCaffrey has a 100% legit role in his offense. And we talked about this all off season and everyone was speculating that, you know, he was going to come in and do something. I had thought that he was going to be slightly hampered still by Jonathan Stewart, which, you know, still was, but he led the team in targets by a fair amount, led the team in receptions, uh, was second in carries behind. I think he only had two behind Jonathan. Uh, basically this is like real bullet points. The Panthers know what they're doing with McCaffrey, and I am going to be very bold in my predicting here, and I would not be surprised if he has David Johnson numbers in the terms of usage. I don't know if he's going to quite get the touchdowns that that Johnson has, but I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be used almost too much in this Panthers offense, which means if you are an owner of him in a PPR league, you are sitting very, 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 very pretty right now. So. There's my two cents. Look at that. I've left everyone stunned. The only thing I saw in this game was San Francisco three and just realized all my Brian Hoyer hot takes were not as good. Are just dead. Just dead. Well, Kyle Shanahan is just waiting out for a good old Kirk Cousins. Clark, give us New York Giants versus the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, this one was ugly. Um, It's another week one matchup of is unit a that good or is unit B that bad? The Cowboys pass rush looked phenomenal this week. Uh, For anybody that's watched the Cowboys over the past couple of years, they do not have a pass rush. So everybody's been worried about the giants offensive line. And it looks like uh, it looks like those turkeys are coming home to roost as they don't say Uh, Eli was under pressure all night. Uh, the Giants could not get anything going. I think they got lucky to get the three points <laughs> that they did get. Uh, they've relied too much on Odell Beckham for the longest time. And with him out and Brandon Marshall maybe at half speed, they just couldn't do anything all night. Uh, <laughs> they were just not good. Cowboys look good. Cowboys could run, and then they didn't have to do much. And you know when the Cowboys can run and don't have to do much, they will win a game 19-3 to and look good doing it. How did the Giants' backfield play out? So the the one silver lining to the cloud, I suppose, is Shane Vereen ended up getting nine catches for 51 yards. So if you are desperate in PPR, Shane Vereen is probably a good pickup. Uh, otherwise, I think it was Paul Perkins for seven carries for 16 yards. Orleans Zarqua, three carries for 14 yards. Sterling Shepard got a carry for six yards. And... Uh, yeah, so we thought the Giants' running game would be bad, and it is. And Vereen led the team in targets to, in this game. Yikes! God, that is that is what you call a over reliance on one player. If uh, if when Odell Beckham comes out, you are just force feeding the ball to Shane Vereen, and I love Shane Vereen, but that is not who you want to be targeting. Uh, yeah, he's fine, but you don't build an offense around him. He's right. fine. But yeah, Sterling Shepard with eight targets, and this is um, Roger Lewis had six. <laughs> and those were your three leaders: Shane Vereen, Roger Lewis, and Sterling Shepard. I'm surprised Sterling Shepard didn't have a larger a larger role, considering he had such a productive rookie season. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to be the guy that stepped in, and instead, I had to click on R Lewis to see what the R stood for. Roger, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I mean I know now. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Finally, oh, and, uh, well, Dez ah. with two catches for forty-three yards. So not really helping that Dez does well against good cornerbacks. Anti-narrative. That's true. Well said. Well done. Finally, Monday Night Football Part One, because uh, Monday Football Monday Night Football Part Two is currently going on. We just witnessed. Probably the greatest game I've ever seen Sam Bradford play. Uh, John, give us more of this beautiful insight and and the pain that you feel as a Packers fan watching this Minnesota Vikings defense look amazing and this offense look quite explosive. Yeah, the, the, again, the Vikings aren't our rivals. So, <laughs> so don't care. we've been playing the Lions and the Bears since the 20s and the Vikings weren't going to be a team for 40 years. So, yeah. They're they're over there. But yeah, Sam Bradford had a great game. 32 passes. He completed 27 of 32. Uh, 
his rating was 143.0. Uh, 346 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and, and even Delvin Cook, at 22 carries, 127 yards, no touchdowns. But uh, passing was, he, he leaned very heavily. Uh, Thielen had uh, 10 targets, nine receptions. Diggs had eight targets, seven receptions. Turned that two touchdowns. Uh, there was also five. One of, those one of those touchdowns was a filthy catch that he had in, in a right. contested jump ball against the Saints cornerback. Yeah, right. The, the corner, the front corner of the end zone over on the offense's yeah. right. Uh, Thielen had 157 yards on nine catches. He didn't have any touchdowns, but 17.4 yards per uh, per catch there. It was like super quietly productive. Yeah. Like you, uh, somehow he just was always open. Bradford would get him the ball. And then afterwards, when I was looking through the stats too, I was just like, whoa, when did he have like 150 yards? Right. Uh, you can always, almost always count that if Bradford has thrown a touchdown, at least one of them has been to Kyle Rudolph. That is true again today. Uh, caught all three of his targets, 26 yards, but a touchdown. Uh, it's a very valuable, you know, back end of the uh, starting tight ends. Uh, he's, he's pretty useful. He's always being used there. I think the thing to take away from this is that they let him throw a little further down the field uh, this year. They went out and spent money on tackles, and they decided to try to spend the time to get out there. And also Seattle's defense is among the worst in the league, and they got a home opener. So they, they rode that, and he, he played very well. This is not what I would have expected from him. Uh, I, I think I expect the completion percentages, but they threw it further down the field. Uh, made more out of that. And maybe it's because also the rushing game is more of a threat now. Uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, like I said, 127 yards. Also had um, three catches for 10 more yards. Uh, didn't score any touchdowns in this game, but you know the yardage is great there. Uh, I think at this point you can say he's a legit RB1 uh, pretty it's easily. A, it's amazing how much better this offense just looked with a with a decent offensive line performance. And so you're I just you're hoping that... that you're hoping that continues throughout the whole season. The more impressive thing, too, I think, is also that they held Drew Brees under 300 yards, yeah. barely. Uh, 291, a lot of that was garbage time. A lot of that. In the third quarter, he had like 158. Um, and then lined up just threw it. He threw one touchdown. Uh, it was it was terrible throwing there. <laughs> his, here's his top three running backs. Peterson, Kamara, Ingram, 18 yards, 18 yards, 17 yards. Ugh. They were all kind of equally blah. None of them was yeah. particularly interesting. As I've told you, Adrian Peterson is done, but nobody told him. I know. It's so sad. Oh. Nobody goes forever. He had one of the greatest long spells of running backs in the last, you know, 15 years or 20 years almost. I mean, just the, the longevity of his career, especially for yeah. somebody who didn't. I mean, like Ladinian Tomlinson was tackled from behind or pushed out of bounds. Adrian Peterson took on the the blocks, took on the hits and lasted this long. That's entirely impressive. That's, that's it's, it's amazing that he was able to do that. Um, Michael Thomas led in the targets again, but only 45 yards here, no touchdowns. The only touchdown pass was the Colby Fleener who was tied for second in targets, uh, led the team in receiving yards, tied with Mark Ingram for receiving yards at 54. Um, yeah, not a lot of really great stuff to take out of the Saints game, except for one of the problems is again, just, um, Drew Brees is remarkably good at spreading the ball around. Uh, so it's Thomas had eight targets, uh, Fleener had six, Kamara had six, Ginn had five, Ingram had five. Uh, I mean, he's just spreading the ball around a lot. It's hard to cover that, but you know, the Vikings do have a very good defense. And they're they're better at home. They're built to win these sorts of games, and you know they did exactly what they needed to do, and they played a great game here and uh, looked really good. I don't know that I expect this from Ponder going forward, but I would at this point consider him maybe a higher end RB or pardon me QB two. Ouch! Your little Freudian slip, calling yeah. him Ponder instead oh, of I? Bradford. <laughs> Burn. That is harsh after a fantastic yeah, that was, like, that was Freudian. Uh, yeah, Ponder could run faster, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think Sam Bradford. 
exactly. He's a, he's a very confident quarterback, and if they're going to let him throw a little further down the field, I think that's going to be more interesting. Uh, he could definitely push his way into a QB1, um, but I want to see it more than once, and I want to see it against a better team than the Saints defense. But still, that's a better yeah. game than I think he had all of last year at any point. So it shows you that there are a lot of things possible here that could be way more interesting. He could definitely be somebody you want to, if you have the roster space to, if you've got a Kirk Cousins or somebody like that, <laughs> Andy that may worried might not be playing very well over the season or Andy Dalton. Yeah. Um, then maybe you try to see if you can hold on to him somewhere and bring him in later. If you can do this two weeks in a row, you're definitely going to be looking to start him. I think at that point. Yeah. Uh, there was, it was a it was a slightly underwhelming week one. I feel like just from a from a fantasy perspective, like Clark had said, uh, there were very few receivers or uh, running backs who went over 100 total yards. But nonetheless, there was a lot to lot to ingest, a lot to take in, and now we're going to start to get a better sense of how all these teams play, how everyone plays. We'll see who's actually good and who's flukes. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, come Thursday. So yeah, stay tuned for n- another podcast coming out later this week. As always, uh, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and rate us. Give us five stars because you know you love the fact that we're now doing two podcasts a week. What up? Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB One Podcast. Follow John at JBarn fifty four. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. You can follow myself at pm rogers um and as always you are listening to rb1 a fantasy football podcast and we will see you later this week peace